half didn't complete the journey to the African coast, most of those dying along the way. Now, you can't always believe these numbers because they have a reason to sit here and understate them. But what they're telling you is that in the various interior parts of Africa, they would march the slaves to the western coast. They claim it's 20 million of them. They're saying that half of those didn't make it from the interior to Africa to the coast to the point of no return or the gate of no return. Half of them died just making the march there in their chains and shackles. Half of them died. Sounds horrific to some of you, but to some other folks, well, I mean, you're exaggerating. It wasn't that bad. LOL, LOL. LOL, exaggerated, LOL. Let me guess, I'm taking you out of context by repeating your words, right? They go on to say, and the worst was yet to come. The captives were about to embark on the infamous Middle Passage, so-called because it was the middle leg of a three-part journey, a voyage that began and ended in Europe. The first leg of the voyage carried a cargo that often included iron, cloth, brandy, firearms, and gunpowder. Upon landing on Africa's slave coast, the cargo was exchanged for Africans. So you see why it is that so many of these individuals, so many of them of immigrant backgrounds, they sympathize with the pearly things of this world. And the reason for it is because a lot of them are worried. A lot of them are worried that we're going to start asking questions, that we're going to start asking questions. So a lot of them identify with that. They identify with it because in their minds, well, we weren't slaves. We were the ones making slaves. So you see, we have, we are kinsmen with the European slave trappers. We're kinsmen with them, not with you. We're kinsmen with the slave traders. So when you have individuals like Jessica X, when you have individuals like that, why London has always brought over so many of these immigrants and the reason for it is because they understand their minds have been colonized already. They see themselves as dark-skinned Britons, dark-skinned Spaniards, dark-skinned Europeans. Why me and the white slave owners, wink, wink, we both got an understanding, don't you know? Goes on to say here, upon landing on Africa's slave coast, the cargo was exchanged for Africans. Fully loaded with this human cargo, the ship set sail for the Americas, where the slaves were exchanged for sugar. We'll come back to that one in particular tobacco, or some other product. The final leg brought the ship back to Europe. The African slave boarding the ship had no idea what lay ahead. Africans who had made the middle passage to the plantation of the New World did not return to their homeland to tell what happened to those people who suddenly disappeared. Sometimes the captured Africans were told by the white men on the ships that they were to work in the fields. But this was difficult to believe since from the Africans' experience, tending crops took so little time and didn't require many hands. Africa was always a, has always been and has always been a fertile land for growing crops. 
So what were they to believe? More than a few thought that the Europeans were cannibals. They give the account of one slave in particular, Oladai Aquiano, an African captured as a boy who later wrote an autobiography. I'm going to skip down here because he gives part of his experience, but basically he said he thought the white men were going to eat him. Goes on to say here that the slaves were branded with hot irons and restrained with shackles. Their living quarters were often a deck within the ship that had less than five feet of headroom. And throughout a large portion of the deck, sleeping shelves cut this limited amount of headroom in half. Lack of standing headroom was the least of the slaves' problems, though, with 300 to 400 people packed in a tiny area, an area with little ventilation and, in some cases, not even enough space to place buckets for human waste. Disease was prevalent. According to Equiano, quote, the closeness of the place and the heat of the climate added to the number in the ship which was so crowded that each had scarcely room to turn himself, almost suffocated us. This produced copious perspirations so that the air soon became unfit for respiration. From a variety of loathsome smells and brought on a sickness among the slaves of which many died. Jason, how many? It depends on the accounts that you believe but we believe that the number is anywhere from 20 to 25% of the slaves who were put on those ships died on the way over. So let me get this straight. Half the slaves who were recruited in the interior of Africa and marched toward the Western coast, half of those died. Another quarter of them died on the journey over. Half of them died marching to the coast Another quarter of them died on the way over. LOL. I still don't get the joke yet, lead attorney. LOL. Maybe we should ask your white mama what she, where the joke is or where the exaggeration is. Because you see, she wasn't asking a question. That wasn't her stating it as an opinion. She was saying it as a fact. This is something she believes. This is something she was saying as a fact. So trying to talk about roots. This is alt-right propaganda. She said that as a fact, not um, a, that she was guessing or as a question. LOL. Goes on to say here that faced with the nightmarish conditions of the voyage and the unknown future that lay beyond, many Africans preferred to die. But even the choice of suicide was taken away from these persons. From the captain's point of view, his human cargo was extremely valuable and had to be kept alive and, if possible, uninjured. A slave who tried to starve him or herself was tortured. A slave who tried to starve themselves was tortured. Well, I'm sure that's just embellished. LOL, you sure right, plenty things. LOL. You're damn right I'm going to keep reminding you that they said that. You're damn right I am. If torture didn't work, the slave was force-fed with the help of a contraption called a speculum orum, which held the mouth open. 
Now, for those of you who are not familiar, those of you who study medicine, you know what a speculum is. A speculum is simply something that kind of uses two tongs that basically <clears throat> holds orifices open. Well, guess what? Some sadists put together a patent. They had several different types of designs for a speculus orum, a speculum orus. But by the way, if you want to see how that would work, if you want to see what such a nightmarish device would work like, you can take a look on your screen there. This is, this is how a, such a nightmarish device would work. You see, if you think you're stuck down there in the ship and you don't really have the ability to commit suicide, I'll just starve myself and won't eat. By the way, that's the speculum orus. They call it speculum orum or speculum orus, depending on what you're looking at. But yeah, this is what they had on the ships to make sure about that. Oh, well, you know, that. Uh, don't worry. I mean, that's exaggerated. That's exaggerated. That's right. You tell the white mommy, LOL. They, they exaggerating again, white mommy. They exaggerating again, LOL. I want to know what's so damn funny. All the folk talk about she ain't racist. It was the big deal. Slavery's exaggerated. It's embellished. You're just trying to control people. No, Heifer, this was controlling people. And you're going to tell us that this was a minor, well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, they were doing this to you, but it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, having a speculum orum put on yourself, that ain't that bad. Y'all are trying to make it seem like it was just really terrible thing. It wasn't that bad. I mean, if you didn't eat, they tortured you. By the way, how many of you saw Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation? How many of you saw Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation? Give me the hand up emoji in the chat room if you saw Birth of a Nation. Give me the hand up emoji in the chat room if you saw Birth of a Nation. I did. Put your hands up in the chat. I did. Do you remember the scene where Nat Turner was with one of the slaves and the two white slave owners grabbed the slave and remember he wouldn't eat? Remember that? They got the slave and remember he wouldn't eat? So they tied him up. They shoved a metal funnel in his mouth. They slammed it in with a hammer which busted out his front teeth. He's bleeding out of his mouth, and then they poured oatmeal or grits or whatever down his throat. Remember that scene? Remember that scene? You remember that? Yeah. LOL. Yeah. I mean, that's embellished. How many of you have ever been to a cotton field? I have. How many of you have ever been to a cotton field before the reapers come through, before the cotton field, before it's been picked by the machines? How many of you have actually been to a cotton field? I'm from Louisiana. I have. I've been to a cotton field. And what Nate Parker showed you all in that movie is something that most of you don't think about. Cotton comes out of this very hard, thorny, 
uh, bulb. It's like it's like rose thorns. They are very sharp and very hard. Slicing your fingers is guaranteed. There's no way to avoid it. It's like it's like handling a, a, a ball of needles. There's absolutely no way to avoid getting your hands cut up, picking it. And they had children out there doing it. From the time they could walk, there were children. Yes, it was very common to have blood mixed in with the cotton. That was very common. That was just going to be a given. That was just going to be a given. Yeah, but that's exaggerated. They ain't no. I'm an attorney in Atlanta. Don't know nothing about no cotton, but I'm sure it couldn't have been that bad. LOL. LOL. <laughs> couldn't be that bad, right? LOL. Uh huh. Whose side are you on? Although I guess it's not very hard to figure out whose side that is. If I'm disturbing you tonight, damn it, I mean to disturb you. This generation is being divorced from its own history. And we all know what happens to those who forget their history. They're doomed to repeat it. Let me tell you something. Human labor is cheaper than an AI algorithm. It's cheaper than building a machine. In case you didn't know, human labor, slave labor, is always cheaper than building a machine. There isn't any machine more capable than a human being. Slave labor is always cheaper than a machine. Always. I'm going to show you one more here. This one, this one hits close to home. This one hits close to home because that's where I'm from. This hits close to home because that's where I'm from. The New York Times is a story about this. The story about sugar for the 1619 project. While there are some people, there are some people who try to dismiss the 1619 project, you can't dismiss history. What I wanted to do here is I wanted to give you all a bit of an idea. I wanted to give you all a bit of an idea. For those of you who didn't know, sugar cane was a luxury until the last few hundred years. Sugar was a luxury. What I want to do is I want to start right here because a bunch of you are going to get a lesson. Now, for those of you who do not know, I was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana, the last capital of the Confederacy before it was finally stamped out. I was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. Everybody's been to the Red River. And if you go outside of Louisiana, cross over Mississippi, you can go see the Mississippi. Most of us have made pilgrimage to go see that. I want you to see what they had to say here. They, they cite many sources, so don't let anybody tell you that it's debunked. They cite many sources here. Talking about sugar. Now, you all have heard about cotton, 
but I want you to understand something about sugar. They say here, white gold, talking about sugar now, white gold drove trade in goods and people, fueled the wealth of European nations, and for the British in particular, shored up the financing of their North American colonies. Quote, there was direct trade among the colonies and between the colonies and Europe, but much of the Atlantic trade was triangular. Enslaved people from Africa, sugar from the West Indies and Brazil, money and manufacturers from Europe. Writes the Harvard historian Walter Johnson in his 1999 book, Soul by Soul, Life Inside the Antebellum Slave Market. Quote, people were picked up along the bottom of the triangle Profits would stick at the top. Before French Jesuit priests planted the first cane stalk near Barone Street in New Orleans in 1751, sugar was already a huge moneymaker in British New York. By the 1720s, one out of every two ships in the city's port was either arriving from or heading to the Caribbean importing sugar and enslaved people and exporting flour, meat, and shipbuilding supplies. The trade was so lucrative that Wall Street's most impressive buildings were Trinity Church at one end facing the Hudson River and the five-story sugar warehouses on the other, close to the East River and near the busy slave market. New York's enslaved population, now listen to this, New York's enslaved population reached 20%, prompting the New York General Assembly in 1730 to issue a consolidated slave code, making it, quote, unlawful for above three slaves to meet on their own and authorizing, quote, each town to employ, quote, a common whipper for their slaves. People, did you hear that? 20% of the population. 20%, 20% of the population was enslaved. One out of every five people. That's just how good slavery was. That was just, just how essential it was. If I told you all that one out of every five people today was a doctor, you'd be like, that's a gigantic number. If I told you that one out of every five was a lawyer, thank God it ain't. You'd be like, that's tremendous. One out of every five was a slave. That's a holocaust. It goes on to say in 1975, Etienne Debore, a New Orleans sugar planter, granulated the first sugar crystals in the Louisiana Territory. With the advent of sugar processing locally, sugar plantations exploded up and down both banks of the Mississippi River. All of this was possible because of the abundantly rich alluvial soil, combined with the technical mastery of seasoned French and Spanish planters from around the cane-growing basins of the Gulf and the Caribbean, and because of the toil of thousands of enslaved people. More French planters and their enslaved expert sugar workers poured into Louisiana as Toussaint Louverture and Jean-Jacques Dessalines led a successful revolution to secure Haiti's independence from France. Now, here's where we come to what I'm more familiar with. Within five decades, within 50 years, 
for those of us out here who are approaching half a century old. It only took about five decades. Louisiana planters were producing a quarter, 25% of the world's cane sugar supply. During her antebellum reign, Queen Sugar bested King Cotton locally, making Louisiana the second richest state in per capita wealth. So you'll all remember the statistic that said that Mississippi had more millionaires per before the Civil War, Mississippi had more millionaires per capita than any other place in America. For a long period of time, there were more millionaires per capita in the state of Mississippi than in any other place in America based off of cotton. Well, guess what? In Louisiana, they had cotton and sugar. Louisiana was the second richest state. You'd never know it being there today because it doesn't have its slave labor to rely on anymore. You wouldn't know that about Mississippi or Louisiana today. They're the two poorest states in America, but it just a little over three times our lifetimes ago, they were the richest. Oh yeah, but we didn't get to share in any of that wealth. We didn't get any of it. Although there are some folks who will tell you that that was exaggerated. Then there'll be other folks who will laugh when they hear that. You want a history lesson? I'll give you one. According to the historian Richard Follett, the state ranked third, Louisiana ranked third in banking capital behind New York and Massachusetts in 1840. So in other words, my home state of Louisiana was the third best state, best able to make out loans. You'd never know it today. You look to places like Delaware. You look to places like Charlotte, North Carolina. You wouldn't think of Louisiana as having the capital to finance anything. Not today, but there was a time it did. And Mississippi wasn't far behind it. It goes on to say the value of enslaved people alone represented tens of millions of dollars in capital that financed investments, loans, and businesses. Much of that investment funneled back into the sugar mills. Quote, the most industrialized sector of Southern agriculture, Follett writes in his 2005 book, Sugar Masters, Planters and Slavers in Louisiana's Cane World, 1820-1860. No other agricultural region came close to the amount of capital investment in farming by the eve of the Civil War. In 1853, Representative Miles Taylor of Louisiana bragged that his state's success was, quote, without parallel in the United States, or indeed in the world, in any branch of industry. I want you all to understand how huge this was. It touched every single person's life. You couldn't be, what I'm telling you is that you couldn't be a white person in Louisiana, Mississippi. Hell, you couldn't be a white person in America without benefiting from this directly or indirectly. These were whole portions of the economy of the entire nation between cotton and sugar. You didn't have an economy without them. Well, you have some white person talk about your, what your ancestors <laughs> did. What you have today is a direct benefit. You are direct beneficiaries of what they had. It built the nation. It created the nation's wealth. I didn't just say it's agriculture. It created the nation's wealth. No question. 
It goes on to say that the enslaved population soared, quadrupling over a 20-year period to 125,000 souls in the mid-19th century. I do not believe that number for a moment. We'll come back to that some other time. New Orleans became the Walmart of people selling. The number of enslaved labor crews doubled on sugar plantations. And in every sugar parish, black people outnumbered whites. In every sugar parish, in Louisiana, we don't call them counties, we call them parishes. But in every sugar parish, black people outnumbered whites. These were some of the most skilled laborers doing some of the most dangerous agricultural and industrial work in the United States. In the mill, alongside adults, children toiled like factory workers with assembly line precision and discipline under the constant threat of boiling hot kettles, open furnaces, and grinding rollers. Quote, all along the endless carrier are ranged slave children whose business it is to place the cane upon it when it is conveyed through the shed into the main building, wrote Solomon Northrop in 12 Years a Slave, his 1853 memoir of being kidnapped and forced into slavery on Louisiana plantations. You all see that as horrific, bestial, demonic, sadistic. Some folks see it as embellished. Other folks see it as a joke. That's why I'm having this program tonight. That's why I'm doing it. Some folks will tell you it was embellished. Some people will tell you it's funny. It ain't funny to me. I don't think it's funny to even any of you. I'm not here to be entertaining. That's not my purpose. I'm not trying to entertain you. Some of these other folks trying to tell you that this is entertainment, no it ain't. We don't need anybody trying to entertain us. Too many folk out here trying to sell you entertainment. Audio sitting over here trying to static a little bit. I'll get that taken care of for you. I don't want you to get lost. This is what it's like for those of us who are from Louisiana and remember it. While somebody's trying to tell you that this is a joke and that it's funny. It goes on to say that to achieve the highest efficiency, as in the round-the-clock domino refinery today, as in the round-the-clock domino refinery today, how many of you have gotten domino sugar? How many of you have gone to Walmart, Kroger's, and bought domino sugar? How many of you have done that? Give me the hand up emoji in the chat room. How many of you have been to Walmart, Kroger, uh, Giant, Target, and bought Domino Sugar? All of us have. All of us have been there and bought it. Don't really have a choice in the matter. All of us have bought it. To achieve the highest efficiency, as in the round-the-clock domino refinery today, sugar houses operated day and night. So in other words, ain't nothing changed. Quote, on cane plantations in sugar time, 
There is no distinction as to the days of the week, Northrup wrote. Fatigue might mean losing an arm to the grinding rollers or being flayed for failing to keep up. So in other words, if the machines didn't dismember you, some white overseer smacking on you would. Resistance was often met with sadistic cruelty. A formerly enslaved black woman named Miss Webb, now listen to this detail. Listen to this detail. This woman's going to give for those who tell you that it wasn't that bad, that folks tried to make it seem like it was way worse than it was. I want you to listen to what she said about her experience. A formerly enslaved black woman named Miss Webb described a torture chamber used by her owner, Dawson Marmillion. Quote, one of his cruelties was to place a disobedient slave standing in a box in which there were nails placed in such a manner that the poor creature was unable to move, she told a WPA interviewer in 1940. Quote, he was powerless even to chase the flies or sometimes ants crawling on some parts of his body. Imagine being in, some, in something that's got these spikes coming at you. And they're so close on you. Yeah, like the Iron Maiden is so close on you that even if there were ants on your feet, you couldn't even move your feet to be able to, to scratch your own feet or stamp the ants. You couldn't even move them. That's called torture. Some people call it embellished. Some people call it comedy. I call it white supremacy. It goes on to say that Louisiana led the nation in destroying the lives of black people in the name of economic efficiency. The historian Michael Tadden, how much money she makes, and that's grossly exaggerated. I wish Negroes would stop doing that. That doesn't matter. The real question is whether or not you are dealing with an enabled suspected white supremacist. And the lead attorney, when it was left up to him, how did I get drug into this? You got drug into this because you held the door open for her. You've been one of her main cheerleaders. You've been backing this all this time. And now that her back was against the wall, you were the first one swinging in with your cape on to try to kill the racism. So you did exactly what I said you were doing and you continue to do so. All I'm doing is bringing it to the people and asking them if they agree with you. That that's not white supremacy. That's not racism. Why, if you went to court and the judge said, well, you know, black folk are always lazy. You know, slavery was exaggerated. You know, I don't believe in reparations. Yeah, but you would sit there and say, well, that's not a racist judge. My attorney, the lead attorney, he says that's not a racist judge. So I believe him. Man, you better get ready to do this life sentence. Last week, we were judging mediocre tutorials. Last week, we were judging mediocre tutorials, and at the end of that, we determined that mediocre tutorials were sentenced to probation. This week, it's the lead attorney. In the lead attorney's case, no, sir, you do not get probation. You are found guilty. You are found guilty of collaborating. You found guilty of agreeing, guilty of enabling, 
guilty of providing aid and comfort, guilty of adopting the white supremacist mindset. And your sentence is death. Since white money matters so much, you should be required to stay shackled to her. Her fate and yours become the same. By the way, there's one other individual. The jury is still out. The jury is still out. But we may return to it. For now, they're not guilty. For now, the jury is still out. However, you might disagree. You might feel differently. And by the way, the telephone lines are now open. But first and foremost, I'm going to open up Zoom. I'm going to open up Zoom, and I have an open call to the lead attorney, oh. Hurley Things. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, for the lead attorney, don't have any problem with making sure it's worth his while because he said something that struck me as, quite frankly, it struck me as a little strange. He posted something that really kind of struck me as odd because usually what I see is quite a bit different. I'm not here to speak for anybody. I'm not here to talk about how they do their business or run their business. That's up to them. That is up to them. I'm not here to tell them how to run their business, but I did see something he said that struck me as a little bit odd. By the way, I'm posting the Zoom link in the chat room there. Posting the Zoom link in the chat. That's not up. But the lead attorney uh, posted something, and I found it to be interesting. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to at least address that before I go any further. I want to address it before I go any further. That's all I want to do for his treat Maybe he would like to call up and explain it to me as well. But by the way, I I came to bless you tonight, so don't don't get angry, Mr. Lead Attorney. I came to bless you tonight because I couldn't help but notice on his community tab. I'm not doxing anybody. He posted this on his, his YouTube channel. He says, divorce attorney answers your questions. Don't get screwed. Women, marriage, divorce, YouTube. $600 an hour info for free. $600 an hour. Um, I'm from Louisiana. So now you scamming my, my <laughs> bad attorney cost me almost $1,500 an hour. That's my bad attorney. My good attorney cost me over $2,500 an hour. So if you work for 600 bucks an hour, either we're getting a hell of a deal or we need to address this value proposition because my attorneys cost a lot more an hour. So I, I got questions. Maybe someone will be able to address those for me. 
Maybe they'll be able to address that for me. In the meantime here, I got folks coming in on Zoom. Let me go ahead and say something here right quick because some folks may say I'm not fair, but I'll go ahead and make this we'll go ahead and make this a, a good thing right here. You know what? Lead attorney, I'll help you out here because you might be feeling a little guilty right now. We'll see if we can help them out. Folks, if the lead attorney calls up, I'll pay for one hour of his time. What do you all say? Is that fair enough? Right here in front of everybody, Cash App, Venmo, whatever your, whatever your flavor is, I'll pay for it. He's $600 an hour. I'll pay him for an hour of his time right now in front of everybody. I'll pay it right here, live on the air, in front of everyone. How about that? Is that fair enough, everyone? So he ain't got to sit here and hot no courses on the weekend. I'll go ahead and pay for an hour of his time right now. I'll pay for an hour, one hour of his time. 60 minutes. By the way, same offer goes to Pearl right now. She's She's worrying about paying for airline tickets. But by the way, same offer goes to you. There's no middleman. It's just you and me. There is no referee. I don't need someone to play referee for me. I invited you all on my program first. They're, they're hiding out behind hardfoots and midgets. Uh, what you scared of? By the way, you didn't offer to compensate me for my time. My time is worth a lot more than either one of your time, either one of yours. It's worth a lot more than yours. But by the way, I, I'm showing you that my time is worth more than yours. I have no problem paying the both of you right now. I'll do it live on the air in front of everybody. Y'all pretending you got it. I got it. So by the way, I'll pay both of you right here, right now. So y'all can do something different with your weekends besides trying to figure out how to hot courses and overstate your following and your subscriber numbers on YouTube. You'll, you'll free up a little more time for you to do that. Folks, I can't make it any more plain, any, any, any easier than that. I can't make it any easier than that. Can I? Can I? Somebody tell me, am I am, am, am I undershooting it? Am I am I doing that? I'd like to know. Six hundred dollars. That's an hour. Six hundred dollars an hour. I'll I'll take one hour. I'll take one hour. I'll take that. What do you say? Lead attorney, I see you over there sweating right now. I see you sweating. I see lead attorney over there sweating right now. The heat's on. The heat's on. All right, I'll tell y'all what I'll do. You know what? Since the lead attorney is over there sweating, I'll tell you what I'll do. Y'all go ring your boy up. I'll tell you what I'll do. Hey, lead attorney. I will pay you double that rate right here, right now, in front of everybody for 60 minutes on the mic. You and me right now, 600. I'll double that to 1,200 for 60 minutes. 
And I know because you ain't no freaking So you can see what a real lawyer gets paid. So I can, I, I'll pay you like I pay my bad lawyer. That's what I pay my bad lawyer. And since you're so skilled that you work for half, less than half what my bad lawyer gets, fine. I'll pay you double your usual rate back when you used to be a lawyer. I'll pay you double that right now. Double. Somebody holler. Somebody tell me, what's it, what you going to do? They didn't offer to pay me because my time is worth way more than theirs. But you know what? You can't afford an hour of my time. You can't afford an hour of me. I can afford an hour of you sleeping. Hell, I can afford two hours of you. Matter of fact, I can afford you. And uh, why don't you go ahead and bring old girl too? I can afford both of you. Ebony and Ivory. I can afford the both of you. The heat's on. The heat's on. Tell them both pull up. They didn't offer me anything for my time because they ain't got no money like that. I wish y'all would stop playing stupid. They ain't got no paper like that. They live in hand to mouth. They're living hand to mouth. Uh, over here, y'all been eating good off of Super Chats and YouTube views based off of my investigative journalism work. Y'all been eating good. I don't even get YouTube money like that. I don't need it. So, hey, lead attorney, if you want to know how Jason Black's attorneys get paid, we could take care of that for you tonight. It's a whole different world from what you're used to. I'm not condescending. I'm just letting you know. By the way, it's a whole different world over here from what you're used to. Why don't you go ahead? You've been eating good off of just YouTube because of me for the last week. Why don't you go ahead and cut out the middleman? Why don't you come step on up and I'll show you how my attorneys get paid. You're going to be like, damn, that's good over here. That's delicious. Damn. Next thing you know, he's going to be caping for me instead of pearly things. Next thing you know, gonna, well, you know what? I've had a chance to think about it here, Jason. And I think about it was pretty racist what she said. I didn't have a chance to think of that was pretty racist what she said. I, I can't I can't really defend that. Y'all think he's gonna flip flop? Y'all think he's gonna flip flop on that? You figure if he just broke a little bread, he's gonna flip flop on it. We'll see somebody fly your boy a kite. Let him know Jason's here. I'm going to break off 1200 right here in front of the world. Lead attorney, you get on the line right now. Y'all didn't offer me anything for my time. And by the way, I invited you all on first, and y'all ducked me and dodged me. I'm back here a week later. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. Well, I'm back here a few days later. Let's go ahead and talk about it now. I'll do you even better since you dodged me the last time I invited you on, since you dodged that. By the way, are they going to dodge me and the money? Since they so worried about the paper, are they going to dodge me and the paper? 
Jason, you won't let them speak. I let everybody speak when they call up. You're going to mute them. I don't mute people when they call up unless they talk over the host. I don't do that. But by the way, even if I did, I'm willing to, even if you think that's what I do, I'll pay for the privilege. If I'm going to sit up here and just waste time, I'll just waste, uh, I'll waste $1,200 of my money. Jason, that'll be just a waste. Okay, well, if you think that's what I'm going to do, I'll pay for the privilege. I'll pay for it. Jason's just wasting his time. He could let him speak. He's going to be, he's going to do Okay, I'll just pay for it. If Jason doesn't let them talk, he'll pay for it. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Somebody let him know, by the way, uh, while he's still sitting up here trying to figure out how to make extra $600 an hour, I'll take care of that. It's raining bad still. I'll take care of that so you can see how a real attorney gets paid. He's going to be like, damn, they doing good over there in the booth. They doing good over there in the booth. And didn't have to sell our damn souls to get there. However, you might disagree. Therefore, the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code. The program that all your favorite YouTubers love to hate watch. This is the place. This is the spot. This is the guy who blew open this whole thing that basically shut down the internet now. It's definitely basically blew up YouTube. I'm the guy who brought you that. Well, now I'm back again. Now I'm focusing on something different. I want to talk to the folks who enabled this. I want to talk to the people who made this possible. That's who I want to talk to. We're going to go ahead and fire up the Zoom as well. So remember, I give priority to Zoom. If you want to join us on Zoom, all you got to do is just log in over there. Let me see. I got Afro Elite on Zoom. Are you there? Yeah, can you see me? Oh, uh, we can now. What's on your mind? Um, I first off, you've been doing an amazing job the last couple weeks or so, ever since you exposed pearly things. I don't know if you knew that the internet would like blow up the way it did, but I think you touched on a really good thing when you brought her up because it opened up another problem, which was all of these coons that are going out of their way to cape for her and defend her. Something that I noticed earlier in the broadcast with that uh Dominican chick or the mixed chick or whatever, when they were talking about black people say mean things about white people behind closed doors, how the lead attorney, he co-signed that and he didn't say that that's ignorant. Now, when people were talking about, well, pearly things, she's just, she's not racist. She's just ignorant. She just doesn't know any better. But when they're talking about what black people do supposedly against white people, they don't use the whole, well, black people are just ignorant. Black people just don't know any better. So when black people say anything against white people, even though we can't do anything, just words behind closed doors, when black people say stuff against white people, we're not just ignorant. We're just villains. We're just wrong for saying that. We're just really racist, and we're using uh, the race card to attack white people. But when Pearly Things says something on camera in front of millions of uh, viewers, she's just ignorant for what she said. Even though she didn't even agree, she bought the slavery thing up, and I feel like that's a very important uh, thing to well, mention. Well, look at it a different way here, because you mentioned about, you know, even though we don't have power, 
let's be clear about something. This isn't about power dynamics as in somebody is an employer and someone's an employee. This is not power dynamics in the sense of somebody's a judge and, and somebody's a defendant. Let's be very, very clear. A Any average white person has more intrinsic power in society than the most quote-unquote privileged black person you can name. Look at Bill Cosby. Look at Jonathan Majors. Look at all these black men who can be put in jail on a white woman's word alone. Doesn't matter if she's rich, doesn't matter if she's trailer park, doesn't matter if she's young, doesn't matter if she's old. It doesn't matter if what she says is implausible. If a white woman fingers you and says, you done it, they're going to act on it. Yeah. She doesn't have to reach a level of professional accomplishment. That's right, Michael Irvin, any random employee or any random white woman strolling around a hotel can sit here and say, you done it. And they will follow up on it. There will be someone who is willing to follow up on it and put muscle behind it, even if you prove that it was a lie. They will still keep pressing it, which lets you know this is not about what she said. This is about we're in a race war. So let's be let's be very, very clear. We're talking about power. White people have intrinsic power that black folk don't have. Them saying some quote unquote saying something about you, that's a threat. All they gotta do is say the word. And there is someone within the system who's willing to act on it. You don't have that. There isn't a black person anywhere in America who has that. Michael Irvin had to get released from his job and contract split. If he wasn't rich enough to be able to get an attorney, he'd just be hanging out. He'd just be hanging out. He's able to pay an attorney who was able to sue in federal court. You know how much that costs? And he, he was just filing because he had, they wanted to get their hands on the video, not because that was even the correct venue. They filed in Texas. The great venue was Arizona. But he had enough money to get an attorney. Look, we got to do this play where we file in Texas, even though that's not the right jurisdiction, but we want to get our hands on the video. And then we're going to go file in federal court in Arizona. So you mean I got to file in federal court not once but twice? Yep. All because this random white woman said something that's a lie. Yep. That's what it is. If you want to clear your name, that's what you have to do. Oh, yeah, your name is cleared. Is he back on ESPN yet? Nope. Is he back on TV yet? I'm asking for a friend. So, brother, when we say that, even when we say things that we don't have power, this idea that, well, there's some equivalence where if a white person, quote, says something racial and a black person says something racial, I submit to you all that's the difference between night and day. It's night and day. There's no power behind what you're saying at all. Here's the other thing. There's no audience. Who are you talking to? I don't give a damn how upset you are. Do you realize what black folk got to go through just to be heard? Just to be acknowledged? A white person, they say something, everybody's going to stop moving. Doesn't matter how young, doesn't matter how old, doesn't matter how rich, doesn't matter how poor, doesn't matter whether they live in the nice part of town or the worst part of town, doesn't matter if they live in a mansion or a trailer park, they're going to be heard every time they speak. Certainly going to be heard over you even if there's no evidence. So don't, I want everybody to update their lexicons about this. Well, if we say something, they say something there, there can be an equivalent. I mean, you know, if they're upset and we're upset, but you know I mean? No, 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 no. Even if they just speak, 
there's no comparison between the power of their words and the powerlessness of yours. None. None. There's no there's nobody in the system waiting to back your claim. Hell, there's nobody in the system waiting to hear you out. There's no TV station, radio station. There's none, there's nobody, there's nobody there waiting to hear you. None. If not based on your word. Now, if you can bring some evidence, maybe. Maybe. But just based on your word, there's nobody waiting to hear you. Nobody. The white woman says he done it. Fox News, talk radio, Twitter. Somebody gonna pull up and be like, hey, listen to what she said. Even if you prove this wrong. Scott Adams got folks supporting him right now. Most of the newspapers let him go, not all. He got support right now. What about words? Bill Cosby got dropped from everything, including NBC. He got dropped from everything. Wasn't found guilty of nothing. This was on his way to court. By the way, we're cutting off all your syndications and everything else. We own it, and we're pulling it from every show. Yeah, we're done with you. We own the Cosby show, so yeah, we're done. Uh, I haven't even been to court yet. Yeah, we're done. That's what that means. That That's a big difference. You can't compare us to them. There, there's, there's no comparison. If they speak, somebody's going to listen. Now, if you crank it up to the level of who got power to do something, oh, there's, we're in different dimensions now. We're in different dimensions. It's still a segregated society. But you got folks sitting up here telling you that that ain't racism. That somebody who has the ability that if they open their mouths, something's going to happen. Hell, if a white woman is just loud talking you, don't you know that that's going to get folks' attention? It's going to be two or three of the white folks going to come over just to see what she's loud talking to you about. God help you if you're Walmart or something, there's a police officer around, they're going to come over just to see what it is. Meanwhile, you'll be black sitting over here bleeding out, yelling, help, help, and they'll walk right by you. That's true. That's not accidental. That's very true. Recognize what power really is. Yeah, it's cool if you're a judge. White folk don't need that. They have a system that gives them a higher status than you. So it doesn't matter what you say. You don't have the ability to help. Most of the time, you have the ability to even be heard. And even if you could, it's so easy to admit. They perfected the system of ignoring you. They perfected that. That's true. You're very correct about that. I'm going to say, um, I'm not going to be on here too much longer. I know you probably got like hundreds of other people want to talk to you. But for the people who say that Pearly Things um, has apologized or isn't racist, the fact that they're moving the goalposts so far back between, oh, you can't be racist if you if you hire a black person, apparently that's that's the rule now. I find it very ironic because Kyrie Irving was called anti-Semitic and all he did was share an Amazon link. And he had it pretty much the whole world, with the exception of us, calling him anti-Semitic. So when it comes to the Jews, they don't move the goalpost of what anti-Semitism is, especially when it comes to black people. But when it comes to the Coons, they'll move the goalpost of what being a white supremacist is all the way to this unreachable and unrealistic standard where you have to pretty much be a KKK member. So 
Um, I'm glad that you're exposing that. So good job, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. We appreciate that. Let me go ahead and see if I can get some other folk here on Zoom. They've been waiting to speak to me for a minute. Uh, let me get uh, no drift here. Let me get you up, and then I'll see what's going on. Blog talk. No drift. Go ahead and. Uh, are you there? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. What's on your mind? They can see me good. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Okay, so I'm calling from the United Kingdom. So I'm here on Muslim ground, and I personally know black women in my life who have been on that show. And what I'm going to say is this. This was a targeted attack, and I'll tell you why. The reason is because she didn't do this in the United States because she knew that the people, black people there would call her out earlier. But here, black people here in the UK who are doing social media and want to get known, they've been struggling for a while to get the pages up. For example, even King Richards, I was watching it for a long time, he was struggling to get his page up. So she came here knowing that black people in the UK are struggling to get the media and the YouTube views, the Instagram views, and they would let things slide when you guys wouldn't let slide over there. And so what happened is that she came here and then she started churning, churning black people through her show who thought innocently they were just going to get exposure. But it was, wasn't just exposure. They thought, okay, cool, I'll just go there, get exposure. Some people are going to know my page, people are going to follow me, and it's just an interview. But she had another agenda in mind. That's why she came to the UK. Because in my head, I'm asking myself, why don't you do that in the United States where you're from with black people who have bigger audiences, know what they're talking about? Because one thing I can tell you for sure is that black people in America are going to take comments about slavery far more seriously than black people over here. Why because is that? We don't have the, because we don't have the same roots that you guys have. For example, if if someone if uh, if uh, like my, my, my grandparents from Nigeria, right? So if you someone tell me something about slavery, I take it very very seriously. But I don't know the American the black American experience, but you guys know that. And so if someone makes a comment, you guys know the history, you know things better. That's why she said it over here. Because if she said it over there with black people from America on the show there who have had grandparents and parents tell them the stories and pass that down, then it wouldn't have flown as much as it did over here. You get what I'm saying? So that's why she came here. It was a targeted attack. Let me ask you another question here, brother. Um, let me find out where are your people from. So my parents are from Nigeria. Okay. Do you do you see that this I, I think you can see part of the issue that we have over here. We've been calling this out for a minute because this is what we call being off code. Because here's the issue that we have over here. Why is it that the folks over there didn't get the optics of that? There's a whole room full of black women here to talk about what's wrong with black women, a forum hosted by a white woman. She's not talking about progressing your careers. She's not talking about socioeconomic issues. She's not talking about you leveling up. It's let's talk about what's wrong with black women and, and, and hosted by this white woman at the seat of the table. I'm trying to figure out why is it that just the optics of that didn't jump out to them as, hey, this don't even look right. Like I said, that's, that's exactly the thing. They are not as in tune with these mental, mental tactics and games that you guys are over there. Because you guys see this more, you guys live it. But people, um, black people over here, especially the younger ones, 
who are uh, children of immigrants don't notice these things as much as you guys notice them. You guys called it out. If you guys didn't call it out, some of us would have noticed, but don't think anyone would have come online and been like, hey, this is wrong. This is what you're doing. You're using black people. Even though I did see in the comments of the videos quite a few times, people say, why is it only black people here? Why is it only black people here? I can bet you those were 